Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we certainly welcome you to the program on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi, as well as Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi. And we invite you to come and worship with us if you're in the North Mississippi area. Both of our churches in Ackerman and in Caledonia meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We also have a Wednesday night meeting in Starkville, Mississippi at 6 o'clock p.m. at the New Covenant Church at 200 West Garrett Road. So we would love to meet you in person. And if you are not in our area, we would invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. You can find a church that hopefully is closer to you and you can get caught up on our past messages and subscribe to a podcast through various platforms. And you can also find our email address there. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know that you're listening and know that you're out there. And if we can help you in any way, if we can answer any questions, or even if you disagree with something that we have to say on the program, we'd love to correspond with you and discuss the Word of God with you. So please email us and let us know if you listen, particularly if you have any questions. This morning, we'd like to continue our series on spiritual warfare, focusing specifically on the devices of the devil. We're told to not be ignorant of his devices, and Satan has a thousand-year-old playbook. So we can see the tactics he's used in the past, and that can better equip us to withstand the wiles of the devil here in our lives as well. So we invite you to stay tuned to the program, and we'll bring that message to you right after the song. Wait. 
Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace. This is Elder David Weiser with you this morning. And during my time on the program, we have been trying to go through spiritual warfare and the reality of the spiritual conflict that we are in every single day in a spiritual realm that we may not be able to see around us. And we've tried to consider who our enemies are. We've considered Satan and unclean spirits and the world and the flesh and who our enemies are. And this morning we want to talk specifically about the devices of Satan and the certain tactics that Satan will use against God's people. Now it says in Ecclesiastes that there's no new thing under the sun. And the longer I live, I see that is true. There is not anything new, it's just repackaged in a different form in 2022. And the same is true of Satan. Satan has only a handful of plays in his playbook. And we have those played out in Scripture. We can be aware of them. We can be vigilant of them and understand that God has given us the ability through the armor of God, through prayer, through angelic protection, and through many other things that we will consider in later messages. God has given us grace to be able to withstand that, to withstand the wiles of the devil. So we want to look at some of the devices of Satan so we are equipped to be able to identify them and then also to to withstand them when those temptations come. So we want to introduce this from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. He's wily. He's deceptive. He's cunning. It says in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent, speaking of Satan, was more subtle, was more cunning than all the animals of the field. So Satan does not appear in his wicked state to us. He, he puts on a good face. He deceives us. He lies to us. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that there were some false apostles that gave the pretense of being godly, that gave the pretense of being good, and you shouldn't be surprised at that because even Satan transformed himself into an angel of light. So Satan is this wicked creature that's presented as a dragon and trying to destroy God's people, but that's not how he presents himself to us in a daily form. He doesn't come as the cartoon depiction of a red scaly creature with horns and a tail and a pitchfork. That's clearly not how Satan comes to us, is he? No, how does he come to us? Satan tempts us by the strange woman who's very beautiful and very seductive, right? He tempts us by the apparent beauty of riches. He tempts us by all these things of the world that he doesn't come at us in his wicked state. No, Lucifer was a beautiful creature. He was the anointed cherub. We've considered that. And he had this beautiful nature. So he doesn't come to us in his wicked, vile, repulsive state, right? He comes to us transforming himself into an angel of light and attempts to deceive us. So we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared against the wiles of the devil. And the primary way that we do that is the armor of God. And we have a whole series 
series on the armor of God. Those are on macedonia-pbc.org's website and gospel-of-grace.com's website that you can listen to all those messages and we go through all seven components of the armor of God. And we would encourage you to listen to those because we had time to deal with that more in depth. But the primary way that we withstand against the wiles of the devil is putting on the whole armor of God. And that protects us. It protects us from head to toe. Another thing that we do, we find that final seventh protection against the wiles of the devil and his devices is prayer. We find that in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, the seventh component of that armor, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then Jesus said when his apostles on the night before his crucifixion in Gethsemane, when they were getting weary, he says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray. Stay vigilant, right? We get in great trouble when we get lazy on the job, when we don't remain vigilant, when we don't keep our head on a swivel. No, be watchful, but primarily be prayerful, right? prayerful unto God for his blessings and protection in our life. So that's one of the main ways that we protect ourselves from the devices of Satan. Now, before we go any further, I want to highlight one verse for you to encourage you that God has given us everything that we stand in need of to withstand the temptations of Satan. And we are very prone in the midst of temptation to feel like that this is something that no one has ever endured before, that this is unique to me and no one's ever had it as bad as I've had it. Well, if Satan is tempting you, then there has been someone that has been tempted in the same manner as you that God has delivered them out of. So we want to encourage you in that way. We'll come back to this verse quite a few times in the next few messages because we always want to be reminded that the spirit is more powerful than Satan, right? That God is more powerful than the devil and God always delivers his people out of temptation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Amen. Isn't that good to be reminded of? God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So we find here that Whatever you're enduring, whatever you're enduring in your life, whether it be a medical difficulty, whether it be the loss of loved ones, whether it be dealing with sexual desire or a drug addiction or anger or unforgiveness or many other devices that we will consider, whatever that is, understand you're not the first person to ever deal with that, but furthermore, there has been a child of God in the past. And by the way, if you look at the canon of Scripture, if you look at the totality of Scripture, you will find that there are instances for every single one of these that God has blessed his children to mortify this device, mortify this deed of the flesh, and conquer this challenging temptation. You will find somewhere in the Scripture that God has blessed his children to overcome that. Why? Because Satan's tactics are not new. Now, I'll tell you, they take a lot different form in 2022 than they did in Bible.
Bible days, right? It's an entirely new world. We're dealing with the internet and we're dealing with social media and we're dealing with 24-7 news stations that spread deceptive information. And just as a side note, if you don't think Satan is using all news networks to deceive people, then you've got your head in the sand. And I'll tell you, Fox News is just as bad as CNN in regards to Satan using that to deceive God's people. We need to vet everything ourselves. Don't take what someone else says for it. Vet everything by the word of God. Be as those noble Bereans. Search it out and see if those things are so. But also, just as a practical note, you need to find some very reliable, independent sources because Satan uses all of that. You know, he says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Isn't it interesting that all of this stuff comes in on airwaves, right? All the news comes in on the airwaves. Well, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, right? So be careful. Be careful what you listen to because Satan is deceiving many of God's children by news networks and by many other means of media. But those are things that certainly the Bible people never had to deal with, right? They didn't have to deal with the internet and making sure you don't click on something you're not supposed to click on. But they had the same type of temptations, but Satan just uses what's at his disposal. And what's at his disposal right now is technology, right? So he's using that but his tactics are still the same to deceive God's people. So there is no temptation that's taken you, but such as is common to man. It's common to man. It's not unique. Your situation is not unique. This is not the first child of God that's ever had to deal with this, and therefore God knows how to deliver his people out of these temptations, right? So take comfort in that, that God is faithful. God's not going to forsake you in the midst of a temptation. No, he's promised to never leave you or forsake you, right? And remember, there's no new thing under the sun. This is not a new temptation. God knows how to deal with Satan. Satan has had the same tactics of deception and corrupting God's word and deceiving God's people. He's had the same tactics since the Garden of Eden, and God knows how to deliver his people out of those temptations. So please take comfort in that, child of God, as we try to combat the devices of Satan. Now, we'd like to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 just to get this language. We'll come back to this because in context, this is dealing with unforgiveness. And there was a man that was living in sin in the Corinthian church, and he was rebuked in the first epistle. He repented, but they weren't being as forgiving as they should have been in the second epistle. And we'll come back and deal with the device of Satan of unforgiveness in possibly a later message. But this is the language that we want, though. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So if we remain in ignorance, and ignorance is just a lack of knowledge. There's a lot of things I'm ignorant about, but we do not need to be ignorant about Satan's devices, do we? No, we need to be informed. We need to know his tactics. But if we are ignorant of that, and we're not vigilant, and we're not watchful, and we're not prayerful, we are very susceptible for Satan to get an advantage of us. That's the language it uses here. And we don't want Satan to have an advantage, is he? No, he's a roaring lion already. <laughs> he, he is a deceptive liar who seeks to steal, to kill, and destroy. We don't need to give him any advantage, do we? We certainly don't need to give him any leg up. And the way that we take away his advantage, the way we take away his advantage is not being ignorant. So that means being knowledgeable of his devices. So we want to take away Satan's advantage in the spiritual warfare, right? Well, how do we take away his advantage? 
We take away his advantage by being knowledgeable of the type of deception and devices that he's going to hurl at God's people. So that's what we want to do, right? We want to remove any ignorance we may have. We want to have an understanding that Satan comes at us in certain ways, and therefore we need to be prepared to withstand that. Now, I believe we can learn the most of Satan's temptations and his tactics and his devices by looking at his direct interactions that we see in Scripture of tempting God's people. And obviously that begins in Genesis 3, right? It begins as the serpent, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he begins to question God's word. He begins to cast doubt on God's word. Yea, hath God said, introducing doubt into Adam and Eve's confidence in God's word. And then he just straight up lies. Never forget that Satan is the father of lies. So it's not surprising that his main tactic is just to straight up lie. And he is so bold in his lies. I mean, he tells them directly here. He cast out on God's word, but then the woman says, well, God said that we can't eat it. And she added to that. God didn't say you couldn't touch it. You know, she began to kind of create her own version of what God told us. The serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. So first of all, he just adds one word. And we've mentioned this in prior messages in the spiritual warfare series. But the version of the Bible that you read is so important because we can't say that the Bible says two different things and it doesn't really matter. No, it matters. It matters. Why? Because Satan added one word to corrupt the integrity of the command of God, right? So if there's one word of difference, what does that mean? It's different, right? And then not only does he corrupt God's word and change the meaning altogether, but then he entices them with something that's just a straight up lie. God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So he enticed them to say, God is preventing you from a better enjoyment of the things of this world. He's restricting your happiness. He's restricting you because he knows there's something out here that's better for you. And all that is is a lie. Do you understand that? Lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes gives us a desire to do something that is beyond God's commandments and beyond God's prescribed boundaries. And Satan makes us believe that it's better on the other side of the fence. He tries to make us think that it's better like the prodigal son leaving to go to the Gentile land and then he ends up down in the pig pen. He makes it look better by lying, by absolute lying. And that's what he does today. He makes something look enticing, but he does not tell you the end result of that. And what's the end result of this? Well, it's death, right? It's death. He lied, he deceived Eve, and Adam and Eve ended up dying spiritually that day, removing fellowship with God. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden and plunged all of mankind into original sin. And that was all because he corrupted God's word and he portrayed something that was enticing to her that was not accurate. Now, the next interaction that we find directly with Satan and with God and with God's people is in the book of Job. And we see here that Satan is bold enough to come as here in Job chapter 1 and verse 6 to come before God when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. Now that language is very interesting that the sons of God came to present themselves unto the Lord. 
And that can mean a lot of different things, but I tend to think that that's speaking of worship. And I am thankful that there are angels that desire to look into the things that we do in worship. It doesn't make sense to them that Christ would love and die for us, so therefore they want to look into it. And I believe there are angels all around when we are worshiping in spirit and in truth. And we're thankful for that angelic level of protection. But right outside that angelic protection is Satan and his unclean spirits that are trying to get in to worship, right? They're trying to get in. And we see this other appearance, this third appearance of Satan in Zechariah chapter 3, and we see his boldness to try to inject himself into public worship. Zechariah chapter 3, and in verse 1, he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Now, what is one of the ways that we rebuke Satan? What's one of the ways that we withstand his devices? Verse two, the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. You know, that's the same language that Michael used when Michael contended with Satan about the body of Moses. This is in the book of Jude. What did Michael say? He said, the Lord rebuke you. And you know, that's the kind of stand that we need to have against Satan, right? You know, that's not ultimately my battle. I can't take on Satan myself and defeat him. No, what do we do? We say, the Lord rebuke you. Now, now listen, the Lord is going to take care of Satan. Aren't we glad for the book of Revelation where we are told clearly that Satan and the beast and the false prophet, they are all going to be cast in the lake of fire at the end of time. And Satan knows that his days are numbered. He knows he has but a short time. And that's why he's trying to cause as much havoc as he can because he knows his clock is ticking and it's clicking down. So the Lord is going to take care of Satan. And it's good to remind Satan of that, isn't it? The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. And that's a great way to deal with Satan anytime, but particularly if you're having in public worship. I'll tell you, Satan can really create some bad attitudes sometimes, even in public worship. People can have bad attitudes while they're sitting on the pew. And we need to say, Lord rebuke Satan, right, in our public worship. So Satan comes here in the book of Job, and then we see all the calamity that comes when God removes his providential hedge. And remember, Satan comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And what happens when God removes his hedge to a small degree that allows Satan to do what he sees fit to the life of Job, but he can't just take his physical life and kill him. We find that Satan was suffered to destroy all of the business holdings of Job, to destroy his animals, to destroy his livestock, to take his men servants and maid servants, and we even find his ten children are killed in a collapse due to a great wind. And then Satan comes back the second time, his boldness to come yet again when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. He comes yet again unto God. And then he requests to afflict Job with illness. Now, this is not to say, certainly, that every time that a tornado hits a house, people die in it, or someone gets sick, or someone loses their business, or some calamity in a business setting. That doesn't mean that Satan's behind it every time. But in this instance, Satan was. And then another thing he did was Satan deceived Job's wife to turn on him and deceive Job's wife to say, curse God and die. So we see the way that he comes to destroy in this instance, and then he deceives Job's wife 
but we're certainly thankful for the testimony of Scripture where Job was blessed so much more in the end, literally twice as much in the end as he was in the beginning. And then probably the most direct temptation was the temptation of Jesus Christ by Satan in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 and multiple other gospel accounts. So what did Satan do? He waited until Jesus as the Son of Man was physically weak. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. And what did he do? He didn't tempt him with bread when they just had a big meal. No. What does Satan do? He tempts you at your weakest moment. It's one of the most important things we have to understand. Satan tempts you at your weakest moment. And that's why we have to be so steeped in the Word of God. That's why we have to hide the Word of God in our heart. To be able to take out that sword of the Spirit and hit the head of the devil with that sword of the Spirit at our weakest moment. So when he was hungry, that's when Satan, the tempter, came and says, if you really be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. And then what is the defense that we have against the temptation of Satan? What's the primary defense? It's the Word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. Remember, that's the offensive weapon. The rest of those portions of armor are primarily defensive to protect us. Certainly the shield of faith, a shield in some instances can be offensive, but the sword of the Spirit and prayer are our two offensive weapons. So prayer and the Word of God. Those are the two we have to remember, right? Prayer and the Word of God. Those are our offensive weapons in this spiritual warfare. So what did Jesus do? He whipped out that sword of the Spirit, right? He whipped out the Word of God and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then Satan took him up into a holy city and said, If you really be the Son of God, cast down thyself. And then Jesus answered, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then Satan took him up into a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I'll give it to you if you fall down and worship me. Get thee hence, Satan. That's another thing we need to tell him pretty often. Get thee hence, Satan. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Now Jesus said, get thee hence. And then what happened? He beat him with the word of God three times in the head. And then what happened in verse 11? Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Not only did Satan leave him, but God gave him encouragement and strength through angelic ministers to come and strengthen him in the aftermath of that temptation. So we see the deceptive tactics of Satan and how he comes at us boldly, but when I say boldly, also deceptively that he promises something that he can't fulfill, and he just straight up lies. And what is the source? What is, what is the way that we test if something is a truth or a lie? It's tested by the Word of God, right? It's tested by the Word of God, which is truth. We test it by the truth of the Word of God. We'll continue these thoughts in a later message. We'd invite you to come back and tune in with us at that time. Until then, we pray the Lord will richly bless you according to his will. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. 
to find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a primitive radio broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the mass